Get Real with Ralph. I am your humble host, Ralph Nudie, coming to you live from the studios of AM 1050 WLIP in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And simulcast live from Kenosha to the Canary Islands and all across the world via our YouTube channel. That's GetRealWithRalph.com. GetRealWithRalph.com. Or you can go to our YouTube, I'm sorry, our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Ralph Nudie. That's Facebook.com forward slash Ralph Nudie. So are you sick of sheltering in place yet? Yeah. It's getting a little old sitting, staring at the same four walls and the same four people every day of your life, wondering when it's all going to get better, isn't it? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. When it's all going to get better. How it's all going to get better. And we're going to ask some serious questions about whether or not your government has your best interests at heart. Also, an interview with... 65th Assembly District Representative Todd Onstott. We'll be playing that for you today. We sat down and had a 30-minute interview. We'll be talking about that and more right after our first break. This is not a drill. You are listening to Get Real with Ralph. You're the house and always And we're back here in the studio. AM 1050 WLIP. Get Real with Ralph. You're listening to your host, Ralph Nudie. We are going to play an interview that I pre-recorded a couple of days ago with our um, 65th Assemblyman, Todd Onstott, who represents a uh, significant portion of Kenosha County, and he's going to give us his take on how the state is reacting to the COVID-19 crisis that's going on. I want to make it clear here going in that it was my intention to ask some pretty difficult questions of Todd Onstott, and he did a pretty good job of fielding those questions. I have adopted a little more of a contrarian point of view regarding this crisis as time has went on. And I think it's important that we talk about it and we talk about how to have a contrarian point of view responsibly as well because there's a different view and acting in a manner that endangers public health or or the health of others as well. And the real truth is that right now at this point... We don't know what we know, and we don't know what we don't know. 
In the beginning of this crisis in January, when we started to see numbers climbing in Wuhan, China, the American medical community, including Dr. Fauci, was putting everybody at ease, telling us that this was going to become a pandemic, but it wasn't one that was going to have a profound effect on the United States. As I've covered on this show in previous weeks on more than one occasion, the World Health Organization has done a poor job at best. They've done a corrupt job at worst of representing what was going on inside communist China at the time, including posting tweets and publicly stating that human-to-human transmission was not a risk for this virus. Meanwhile, the Chinese government locked down the Wuhan province while they allowed people to fly out of the Wuhan province all over the rest of the world, including the United States of America. We've also heard conflicting reports on mask wearing. The medical and the scientific community was telling us in February that wearing a mask wasn't helpful at all. Now, common sense would have told me from day one that wearing a mask would, in fact, be helpful. The idea that this could be spread through droplets, not airborne, but through droplets, would suggest that having a barrier that would stop those droplets from reaching your mouth, or more importantly, the real reason for us to wear masks, which is to stop you from spreading the droplets to somebody else, would make a lot of sense. Of course, the scientific community caught up with those of us that had common sense several months later, in stating that wearing a mask is, in fact, helpful, even if it is not the N95 mask. But the way that mask wearing helps is my mask protects other people in the room. If you and I are in a room together, your mask would protect me from you, and my mask would protect you from me. We're starting to get that. We also have projections of mass casualties. Not to say that we haven't had them. We are approaching the 60 thousand person mark which is the amount of casualties that we had after 15 years in the vietnam war and uh, representative onstaff is going to talk about that but we were projecting casualties in the hundreds of thousands and we were projecting that we were going to overwhelm the entire healthcare system nationally and that we needed everybody to stay home so that we could flatten the curve that is not overwhelm the healthcare system all at once so that people who had a chance at survival with adequate medical care could, in fact, get the medical care that they needed at the time that they needed it. And there would be no assurance of being able to do that if we overwhelmed the hospital system all at once. It was not told to us, the American people, that we were going to stay at home to stop the transmission of the virus until the virus is no longer a threat. But that seems to be the position that many of our leaders are taking now. It's not enough to stop the spread to the point of overwhelming the healthcare system. They want to stop it completely. They want to have a vaccine in place. They want to have 100% assurance that there's no risk before you go back to your lives. And people just simply don't believe that that is entirely possible. It's not possible with other infectious disease. Why would it be possible with this one? There's also evidence, whether you call it anecdotal evidence or actual evidence, that several states in our country and several countries are using social distancing without a strict lockdown. Sweden, for example, is one of them, and it seems to be having a, a lower or a equal death toll to many other countries in Europe that don't have lockdowns in place, although there are some countries nearby that have slightly lower death tolls. Now, one of the questions that I've been asking our, our experts out there is, 
is the shelter in place going to stop people overall from getting infected with this virus? Simply to slow the spread of it so we don't overwhelm our system. If we know that everybody's going to get it sooner or later anyway, why would we kill our entire economy and kill our entire way of life and take practices that aren't actually going to save lives? I am all in favor of saving lives any way we can. What I'm not in favor of is killing our economy because we think it's going to save lives and then end up having it caught. With sheltering in place are many other risk factors that we're not taking into account. There is a doctor from California who gave a press briefing, and I'm going to have his link on my show page, talking about the fact that there has been an increase in people dying of other life-threatening diseases, other life-threatening situations, because they are simply afraid to seek out medical attention during the COVID-19 crisis. And I think that's very important, as well as a spike in suicides, a spike in child abuse, a spike in alcoholism, a spike in drug abuse. These are all things that need to be addressed, and I think that we need to look quickly at the best way to get them addressed. And with that, I'm going to go into our interview here with uh, Representative Todd Onstadt. And on Zoom, we have with us uh, Wisconsin's 65th Assembly District Representative Todd Onstadt, and uh, he's going to join us today and has uh, made a commitment to join us during the ongoing crisis when he can to give us an update as to what is going on legislatively into help us through this difficult time. Todd, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm okay. Um, every, everything's good so far. Thanks for having, on me, uh, having me on today. Well, thanks for coming on. I think it's very important uh, during this time that we start to hear from the people that are representing us and uh, try to get a feel for what's going on uh, in Madison as well as uh, here in Kenosha. And of course, right now, uh, you, you're, you're at home, uh, sheltering in place in your little home office, it looks like, correct? Yep, I am. And uh, how how often are you guys getting up to Madison right now during this? Well, actually, um, it's been a few weeks since I've been to Madison. I will be going next week, but the uh, Capitol is actually closed down to the public, so there's very little activity there. Most people, um, most people's, are not only not there themselves, but their our staff is actually working virtually from home as well. But I'm in contact, of course, with my uh, staff staff every day and on particular constituent problems. We, of course, are having a lot of people with unemployment problems, um, different agencies, um, DHS, um, a, a lot of concerns. So our staff actually is, even though they're not in the building, are probably busier than ever. Sure, sure. This, this, this has moved As from a, just a the there's, um, it seems like It seems like every day there's a couple of webinars that we um, are invited to in terms of what's going on in different agencies. Um, Different secretaries are holding a webinar, it seems, a couple, uh, couple times a day. And um, we, of course, are caucusing, uh, caucusing virtually as well. So uh, between the constituent work and the, um, also the, all, everything that's going on in the Capitol, we're certainly, certainly busy this, during this period of time. Now, now of course, in Wisconsin, we are, we are kind of beholden to the country as a whole and the guidelines that are being set forth by... Uh, Centers for Disease Control and, 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 and by the uh, federal government as well as trying to uh, take things down to the state level and break it down. And this has evolved from just a public health crisis to an economic crisis as well. Which one do you think is a greater threat to Wisconsinites right now? 
Well, I think that they are both a great threat. And, you know, let's just um, look at some of the numbers in terms of both the statewide numbers and the Kenosha numbers in terms of uh, people who have been affected. I read in the paper today that um, we had another, another casualty, another death that puts us up to seven in Kenosha County, 311 cases, and that's up 52 cases since Monday. Um, in the state, we've had 5,052 cases as of yesterday with 257 deaths. Um, looking at it nationally, um, I think it's safe to say that unfortunately, one week from today, that we will have more people lost their lives due to this virus um, in a period of seven or eight weeks than we lost um, American soldiers in 15 years in Vietnam. Um, and, I, and I think that that is an amazing perspective that, uh, um, that, that the damage has been that great. Um, and obviously we have a great economic crisis going on as well. We have, um, I believe the last number, 26 million people laid off, mostly as a result of, of the coronavirus. Um, so it, it, it's a hard balancing act. Um, it's a, it's, it's a very, I, I agree with you. It's a very difficult balancing act because one, one death is, is too many if, if it can, if it can be prevented. And, um, if it can, if it couldn't have been prevented, then, then the economic damage is too much for, for not preventing deaths in the first a, a point here where we're not sure on the science because it keeps changing. Would you, would, would you agree with that? Well, I think the, chi the, the science keeps getting um, more and more perfected. I'm not so sure that changing is the right word. I think that we're learning more about the virus as we go along. Well, yes, yeah, sci science changes as we know more. So I'm not saying that the scientific principles are changing, but the data that we're getting is changing the, the, the forecast. Um, yeah, the, I, think, I think that that's true. And um, the... Nobody, nobody wants this to go one minute longer um, than what it has to go. But I think that we have to be very, very careful in terms of opening up early. Um, you probably saw the recent polling where 61% of the people think that the lockdowns that are in place now are, are appropriate. Um, we all wanna get back to whatever the new normal is going to look like as soon as possible, not one minute later. Um, you know, we have businesses. I've been in contact with a lot of different business people, um, and some of them are, of course, frustrated that they were not able to um, participate in the first round of small business loans. Now, the uh, Congress just passed a new bill yesterday, so we'll certainly be analyzing that over the weekend and into Monday um, to see exactly um, what that will, will bring. I don't believe that the president has signed it just yet, but as soon as we get it, we'll certainly start to analyze it. No, but these, um, these bills and these bailouts seem, seem to be messy every time they get put together. There's always somebody who is holding it up because they want something funded that they couldn't get funded during the normal times. So do, do you think that's appropriate for legislators to start throwing things in there? For example, in, in, in the big stimulus, when they started throwing money at the Kennedy Center and they wanted, they wanted items for the new Green Deal and other pet projects. Do, do you think that maybe it's time that legislators, whether it be at state or federal levels, stop playing games and just focus on the one thing that matters at hand here. Uh, because I, I feel like, I feel like the people are getting sick of, of, of game playing overall and, and it being a partisan war, as opposed to an American war where we're just declaring war on, on this, this, this pandemic, as well as the economic consequences and trying to find a way together. Well, I think it's actually pretty amazing that there have been four bills that have passed 
on a, on a bipartisan basis within the last month. Um, the, the last one not being signed just yet, but uh, I think that that is pretty amazing that there you know has been this bipartisanship. So um, you know certainly the the product um, that came out on the last one had some problems. Now I understand that a lot of the companies that were publicly traded are uh, being told to send the money back. Um, so you know there's you know, certainly passing a complicated uh, bill like this is not easy. It's called making sausage and um, in our world, and you know, it's it's a difficult, messy, prod, uh, you know, process. Uh, that said, I think that you know there certainly are some things that have been uh, passed that um, that are going to be very helpful. The the um, extended unemployment uh, benefits that was were passed in the last one. People just yes. began um, signing up for those last week. That hopefully will translate into approximately. $600, $600 a week retroactively to the week that you were signed up. And this actually includes a lot of people who are not normally um, eligible for unemployment. And of course, we all know the $1,200 stimulus, uh, um, you know, that those checks are starting to go out to people who had direct deposit available. Um, so there have been a lot of, there have been a lot of good things that have come as this legislation, but there obviously needs to be more. Um, I heard quoted the other day that um, 4,100 uh, businesses in Wisconsin were eligible to um, to get some of the SBA money, and actually the amount that was borrowed was a little bit higher than the uh, national average. Um, but there's certainly a lot of cases here in Kenosha that I've talked to of people who have applied for it, and um, um, maybe they applied a little later than it uh, took before they uh, ran out of money, or that there was other problems, but. Um, hopefully, some of those uh, kinks have been ironed out in this new bill. Sure, I, I, definitely. I, I hope that they do get uh, ironed out. What about on the state level? What kind of bills are you looking at? What, what what type of agenda is being pushed legislatively to? We're doing everything we can as a state to protect our state's small businesses and their employees. Well, as you probably know, both the speaker and the um, majority leader in the Senate. Um, have, I'll, I take that back, uh, the Senate, I believe, is going to meet one more time in regular session. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, the speaker has um, had declared that we were out of session a couple months ago, and we have met once since then, uh, virtually. A funny story about that, if there is anything funny about this, but for about a week, week and a half, I was afraid that, um, you know, that something would happen with the computer or the system, and um, I would not be eligible. Somehow, I would not be able to vote on what may have been one of the most important bills that we will pass this session. And everything was going pretty good. Um, about an hour and a half into the meeting, um, all of a sudden, my screen went blank, um, right as we were getting probably within 15, 10 to 15 minutes from the vote. And so I got a technical support person on the line, and she was obviously working from home. I could hear her baby cooing in the background. And she was very calm and cool and collected. And I said, you got to get me back on here. I got I can't miss this vote. Um, so six or seven minutes later, which seemed like about six or seven hours later, um, I was able to get back on and, you know, and participate in the, that vote. Um, so in that particular bill, um, it's a were, darn good thing. You're not a conspiracy theorist. Yes. I, yes, I'm not. <laughs> I, I think, I think that it was technical difficulty on, on my Wi-Fi on this end actually is what I, um, came up with. But on that bill, we had to do several different things to be eligible for the federal money. Um, $15 million, $150 million quarterly um, in increased Medicaid money, and also two 
billion dollars with a B um, in terms of like overall federal um, federal money that's coming into you know, as a result of one of those bills that we were talking about earlier. Uh, the state will be receiving two billion dollars to help us through this crisis. Um, so in order to do that, we had to um, pass some legislation by um, the end of that week. I think we voted on a Tuesday. I think the governor signed it on a Thursday and um, we obviously were able to um, accomplish that. But um, so we, one of the things that we did in that particular bill was uh, for this particular time, um, we ended what's called the waiting week for unemployment where- Correct. Um, um, the waiting week is essentially uh, something that for the last uh, several years, I think it was 2011, um, that the legislature and Governor Walker at the time signed in a um, week where the first week that you were laid off that you would not be eligible for unemployment. Um, and that, according to the federal legislation that um, we needed in order to get, through, get those resources, um, we needed to uh, change that for at least this period of time, which we did. Um, and we also uh, made some modifications in terms of giving the governor some abilities to kind of manage the crisis. Um, we, of course, uh, the requirement to be actively looking for work has been removed as well, correct? Um, yes, for this, for this period of time. Um, and relatively short period of time, I believe it, those um, come off. I know the waiting week comes off the first week in February. But there were was, there was several small changes. There was, uh, it was a kind of a big bill, very technical bill. Um, one disappointment in the bill, um, which you may have um, read about in the Kenosha News, but um, part of the bill was to allow uh, first responders, our police, our fire, our um, medical people who uh, come uh, are impacted with uh, COVID-19, uh, that they would be allowed to um, apply for workers' compensation, to receive workers' compensation um, if, it, if it happened uh, while they were working. And um, the, there was what was called a technical amendment that was um, added at the very end that certainly weakened um, that part of the legislation that makes it very uh, much harder for, the, for our first responders to successfully claim those uh, benefits. So that's something that certainly um, we are hoping that there will be another session um, yet before, um, you know, before the, you know, the next full legislative session, which of course begins in January. Um, and we, um, of course, don't uh, control that, but we'll see if the speaker and the um, majority leader are willing to take up some of the other issues that, um, you know, as, as we go along, that we know that there will be um, more legislation needed during this crisis. Sure, sure. And I think there's going to be. Um, as, as the facts change about what we know, for example, yesterday they had the random sampling in New York of 3,000 people. Uh, right before that, they had some samplings in California. And what we're finding out is higher numbers of people actually infected than we originally thought. So as you talked uh, earlier about the fact that we had a bunch of new cases, we've had a bunch of new confirmed cases. And, and, and it's my concern, and I think the concern of a lot of people, that, that those numbers are skewed because cases are becoming confirmed, but there's a lot more cases out there of asymptomatic people. And this, this data can be taken one of two ways. One is it's a lot scarier out there. There's a lot we have to stay in place even longer. But the flip side of that argument is that this is, even though the, even though the death toll overall is high, the, the, rate, the, the death rate for this virus itself is actually much smaller than we thought. 
And uh, we look at, for example, right now, we have, um, if you look at deaths per million people uh, across the world, uh, you see that, for example, Sweden has far less deaths per million people than several other countries surrounding them that have similar populations. We have nine states that do not have shelter in place uh, orders in effect at all, and yet they have far fewer deaths per million than other states that, that are populated at about the same density. So I'm talking about apples to apples comparison. Obviously, you're not going to compare Iowa with California or New York, but you can compare Iowa and Arkansas with, say, Missouri uh, and um, Oklahoma. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of that data? And is that data worth looking into? Because if, if shelter in place works, and it's actually keeping the spread and containing it, that's a good thing. But if it's actually doing nothing to contain the spread, are we, are we harming our, our economy for absolutely no good reason? Uh, or is there a chance that we're harming our economy for no good reason? Because I, I, I think a lot of us are waiting to see data that shows that what we're doing is actually saving lives. Because if it isn't saving lives, we're actually contributing to the misery later on down the line. Well, I, I think that everybody um, is recognizing that we are definitely saving lives. Um, in terms of the data on Sweden, um, I encourage you to take a look at that because Sweden, as you probably know, uh, was one of the few countries that um, in Scandinavia that uh, kind of was trying a different, going a different way, and they did not shelter in place. Correct. And their and their and their deaths now are nearly double their neighbors, um, nearly double um, Norway, nearly doubles you know some of their other neighbors. And you know, so I, I think that I think that Sweden actually does have some have a tale to tell, but I think it's different than what you, than the um, early numbers that you looked at because they are experiencing. Well, they're they're at approximately two hundred thirteen. They're at approximately two hundred thirteen deaths per million. The Netherlands uh, next door is at two hundred and fifty deaths per million, uh, which, which is you know one of the neighboring countries. The UK is at two eighty seven. France, what, what, Italy, what is Norway. Norway. All right. Well, let's take a look at Norway here because that's. Uh, all right, Norway is at 37. 37, 37 similar country uh, compared to 200 and something. Um, let me just talk about testing a little bit. Um, okay. uh, testing, um, I think that, you know, testing has always been a problem early on. Um, you know, I can't, there's no reason to uh, talk about the past much in this situation. Sure. What, what can we do to get the testing done now is but, what we're, is You know, we know that we were behind the eight ball in testing early on. Um, and, and we are, we are really, um, most people probably don't have any idea of this, but we are testing more than 10,000 people a day in Wisconsin right now with a goal of um, 85,000 85, uh, per day. Now, are, um, we testing asymptomatic, are we testing asymptomatic people yet? You can just go and get a test, or do you still have to meet criteria to be tested? You still have to meet some criteria. I think that you have to have something that you know, looks like a symptom. You can't just walk in and say, I'm curious as to whether or not I have antibodies. Uh, but, you know, we may at some point uh, be able to um, test almost anybody who wants to test. Um, you know, certainly we're not there yet, but 85,000 85, a week is a big number. And uh, we've had three great companies um, kind of step up to um, allow us to increase that testing. Um, Epic and Madison, Exact Science and uh, ProMega have all stepped up and are really I think that um, exact sciences is allowing an additional twenty thousand um, tests per week. So, but if um, we're testing you know, only if we're testing only sick people, are really getting an accurate number of how many people are infected? Um, 
Well, no, of course you know, we're not getting a we're not getting a total accurate number in terms of how many people are infected. Um, certainly, you know, with that amount of testing, uh, but you know, we know that the National Guard has been doing um, spot um, testing of everybody in um, different locations and uh, really amazing um, numbers of National Guard people, if I can find in my notes here, uh, have been helpful in this whole process in the last few weeks. But uh, testing, is, testing is obviously critical and we have to uh, continue to make advances in that. Unfortunately, we have not really received um, testing um, equipment. Uh, we re received a lot of other equipment from the federal government, but I, my understanding is that that still lags. Um, but we are certainly um, making big strides right now. We're, as I said, today, and that's to go to 80, 80, um, 85 per week. So, sure. um, you know, we are, um, we're making progress in, in testing. And certainly, um, I, I think that, I think that it's important. I think it's necessary to have a better um, grasp on this before we start sending uh, people back into whatever's going to be the new normal. And let me just talk about that a little bit. I certainly not a scientific um, study, but I saw a Facebook post, uh, Kenosha's Facebook post the other day that um, they had about 200 respondents. And um, they, the question was if, if bars and restaurants were open today, whether or not you would, um, you would go out. And right. It was right around 80% of the people in that um, in that post said no that they would not feel safe going out at this point. And the last thing, and I would probably be in that, I would probably be in that camp. I wouldn't feel safe going out. And and yep. and and I think that 80% is probably an accurate number there. So the question is, when it comes to that, are we are we at are we going to get to a point where that becomes a personal choice again? Oh, I, oh, I don't, there's no question that we will get to that point. Um, there's no question then if it is, if it is May 26th, um, that things go back to the new normal or, you know, phase two or earlier. And the governor has said many times that, you know, that it could be, and he certainly hopes that it is earlier than that. Sure. Um, there, you know, the new normal will begin and, you know, there may not be as many bar stools at the bar and there may not be as many tables in the restaurant and uh, waiters and waitresses might be wearing masks and, you know, the, uh, the menus might be uh, disposable. There might, you know, be a lot of things different in the new normal. What if we never um, meet the criteria? What if a year from now we're not, not seeing spikes, but we're not seeing the decreases in number of new cases either? How how long do you think we can survive, or how long should we go? Let Let's say we just keep plugging along at the pace we're at now. Goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down. We don't really have a spike, but we really don't meet the criteria for going back to normal. How How long can we stay in a pattern like this? before we just have to start taking risks? Well, uh, it will be a risk when we go back. And my, um, from my reading of the virus, everybody anticipates that, you know, and New York, New York is already starting to see it. I saw a graph today where uh, their numbers are starting to go down. Um, hopefully we don't uh, see that big of a spike here in Kenosha or in Wisconsin. Um, although we're obviously still continuing to see um, an increased number of cases, up 52 um, since Monday of confirmed cases. Uh, so we we know that science tells us that viruses do not go exponentially up forever. Um, at, at some point, these are going to level up. Um, and hopefully, of course, that's sooner than later. Um, I anticipate that, um, you know, hopefully, 
that we are back by the 26th. And if the, hopefully the numbers, you know, can start to start to go down, down throughout the state. And the other thing that the governor has said um, is that he is certainly going to take a look um, at um, a regional approach, um, you know, you know in parts, some parts of the state that, um, you know, have experienced a lot lower numbers than what we have in southeastern Wisconsin. Maybe it may make some sense to uh, um, do something different there. Now, we were, uh, we, we, we were told initially that the whole reason for sheltering in place was to not, not to pre prevent deaths because that actually can't happen with the virus, but so that we wouldn't overwhelm our healthcare system and have more deaths than necessary because people, too many people got too sick too fast and we didn't have bed capacity. That ended up not being the case in New York at all, not even by a long shot. It's, it's going to not end up being the case here. So is our sheltering in place well, really just, I, I don't... just spreading the same number of deaths over a longer period of time? Uh, or is it actually reducing the total of number of deaths that you think we end up having? Oh, I don't think that there's any question. There's certainly no question in my mind that this has reduced the number of deaths. The more people that we have out in the public uh, catching the virus, going for a week or longer, uh, continuing to contaminate people um, without even knowing um, that they are symptomatic, um, there, is, there is no question that we are saving lives. Um, the estimate that I've heard um, you know, you know, right now it's um, somewhere in the next million people, um, um, you know, or 50,000 people, excuse me, 50,000 people in the country have died. Um, my understanding is, is that, you know, most people think that that number would be more than double by now. And we would certainly see a lot more hotspots than what we're currently seeing. Um, so there's more no than, question in my mind. That more than double here. by now. But my question is, at the end of the day, when this whole thing is uh, over, are we reducing the total number of deaths or are we just spreading it out over a longer period of time? Because this, it was my understanding that flattening the curve was just spreading well in the system and have people dying for lack of care. And we're not in a position where there's a crisis, where there's a lack of care because we have at least flattened that curve. So my question is at the end, when we get, when we get to the finish line here, do you think that, uh, you know, and we, let's use Sweden again for an example. Uh, mm -hmm. You said that they have more deaths. Do you think that the other countries will catch up over a longer period of time and they'll level off sooner because it, they just got hit more at once? That this, 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 this virus is a tragedy and it is killing people. And I don't want people to think that, uh, and I know there are deniers out there that deny this happens. I'm not one of them. Uh, I, I do question the science and I question the procedures and whether or not it's going to save lives overall, because I think that's an important question to have. But do you think there'll be a leveling off from the places that had a shelter in place and not a shelter in place where it ends up being, we lost the same number of people, but we lost them over a, a shorter period of time as opposed to over a longer period of time? Because those, those are some of the arguments that, that I'm hearing from, from, I guess you could say contrarian scientists, people that, that are in the scientific community, but have a contrarian point of view. Um, no, there, there is absolutely no question in my mind that we're saving lives, not only in Wisconsin, but all throughout the, all throughout the United States and all throughout the uh, countries that are, that are uh, sheltering in place. When you look at some of the um, countries um, like South Korea, for example, and you know, so, some of the countries that um, kind of had enforced shelter in place and different things in place and compare that to um, Italy, um, I, I think that there, that there is absolutely um, no question in my mind, at least, that, you know, that this is saving lives. Um, the other thing in terms of making sure that we overwhelm our um, medical um, system and, you know, that apparently, you know, um, 
has just barely held in the arc. And, you know, thankfully, um, it seems like there is a, a flattening of the curve there, um, undoubtedly as a result of uh, well, we 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 built capacity. We we built a capacity based on projections of hundreds of thousands of deaths by this sure. time, and we we and that was with sheltering in place factored in. And yes, we've had a lot of deaths, but we've had a fraction of the projected amount. So, um, and that's and we, that's and that's obviously a good, we had it that's wrong. Obviously, a good thing. It's a very good oh, thing. I'm, you know that that's a good thing to be um, wrong about. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm I'm not so sure that um, it wasn't underestimated just how um, serious people would take sheltering in place. Um, and, and as a result of people taking sheltering in place, that um, it hasn't you know it, it has certainly been successful. Um, all that being said, um, in terms of the recent Badger bounce back, you know we've got you know kind of a a few things going on that you know are, are inching us back into whatever the new normal is going to be. Uh, today it's not a very nice day uh, out there, but you know golfing is uh, back in place as of golfing today, is back in place, but the dog parks are being golfing is back in place, but the dog parks in Kenosha County are being closed. Uh, what, do, what do you think of yeah, that? I, um, I just heard that there was a couple of cases um, that the CDC reported a couple of days ago of transmission um, in animals. That was the first I heard about that. Um, I wasn't part of that decision. I'm not not Got sure it. exactly why they did. Interestingly enough, I think that we're seeing. Um, just uh, open there. So um, I, I think that the jury's still out on that. I know that I don't have my dogs quarantined because they're constantly telling me that they want to get, uh, go in and out. But um, <laughs> and the other thing that, you know, the... Uh, is, it know, okay the to, uh, is it okay I, to be outside and do things outside in, in Kenosha County right now as long as we're not gathering in groups? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. People are, you know, people are, um, you know, walking downtown, not a lot of them. Um, people are walking in my neighborhoods. There's a lot of people that have dogs in my neighborhoods there. You know, I, I, one thing that's been um, um, a fact of life and since I've been sheltering in place here uh, um, is that I get a, get a good walk in with both of my dogs every day. And uh, that's been like my uh, main break in terms of um, all the, between all the other work that I have actually to do on this. But um, and also, you know, we ha at the Southwest Library, we have, uh, you know, uh, pick, pick up today of starting to in terms of if you, if you want to call and uh, get a book reserved, they'll come and uh, drop it off to you. So that's, that's a good thing. And, um, you know, I'm somebody who likes to, you know, go out to the neighborhood pub, the neighborhood restaurant and socialize um, as much as anybody. And I'm looking forward to looking forward to that day. But the last thing that we want to do is do that early and um, and have even a bigger spike um, as a result of it, and then scare people out. Um, that would do nothing. Um, th there's nothing that worse that could be done to our economy than to make people think that when they go do go out, um, that it's not going to be safe. Certainly, and that and that that is important. That, that that's just as important that when people do. When, when we do get through this and we do have a reasonable degree of safety that people feel safe, uh, because if they don't feel safe, it doesn't matter how safe it actually is. People aren't going to go back out there into the workplace. They're not going to go back out there into the marketplace. They're not going to spend money and we're going to continue to stagnate for, for a, a much longer period of time. So that's, yep. that's definitely something that, uh, that I, I think that people appreciate. Um, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Todd, I know that you are an honest steward of, of the people in, in, in your district here. You're not a, um, 
you're not a what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're not a uh, you're not a demagogue. You're not a you're not a party elite. You you, you care about the, the the people here and and in in your area. So I I sincerely believe that you're being sincere in, in having your constituents' best interests at heart. And I really appreciate you coming on. And, and, and talking to some of the the points that the other side has. And, and, and I hope that you'll consider moving forward the information on both sides so that if we stagnate for longer than we have to and we see that it's not help, that it's not actually making the overall situation better, that there's, there's, there's room uh, for, for rethinking this. Because I, I do believe this is a fluid situation, not one where we know the facts. In fact, we know very little of the facts we're, we're learning as we go along. And it's important that uh, as we reevaluate facts, if we if we realize that we were wrong at some point in time in the past, that we we give ourselves permission to have been wrong and, and change as the facts we know change. Because this is this is a new thing. We didn't have enough testing before. We could blame somebody, or we could just realize this is something that didn't exist six months ago. How how easy is it to roll something out to 350 million people in an entire country to um, to test for something that didn't exist last year? that didn't exist six months ago. How easy is it to come up with treatment protocols? How easy is it to come up with vaccines? It's not easy at all. And, and I, I feel like we have by people on both sides of the political aisle and, and all the people in general in this country, but there's still a little bit of finger pointing going on behind the scenes. And, and I think the more that that ends and the more people stop blaming and just start saying, hey, let's, let's get this fixed, the better off we're gonna be as a nation at the end. Because the only real place that, that I see that we should be placing blame is on, is on the Chinese government, not just for letting this get out because accidents happen, but for concealing the nature of how it got out, when it got out, for doing things like banning travel inside their own country, but letting people fly out of Wuhan to other parts of the world. I, I think they've done some serious damage to us here. And at a certain point in time, we as a nation need to band together and, and make sure that there's a reckoning for that, whether it be in the form of lawsuits and, and punishing them monetarily, definitely in uh, insourcing a, a, a great deal of our supply chain because we've realized how vulnerable of a country we are. Well, we certainly need to do something about our supply chain. It, it is criminal that the vast majority of our medicine is actually uh, manufactured in, in China. Um, a lot of you know important things that we need in the United States. So there's no reason why we're not building them here. I totally agree on that, um, and I, I agree on the on the fact that you know we could we could look in terms of you know we know we know that the government knew as early um, as November, December, certainly January, uh, that this pandemic was coming, and we could argue all day about you know exactly what could and should have been done at that point. Um, instead of waiting until March or April, um, you know, but that doesn't get us where we need to do. You know, no, we, we no, to, it, know, it, it does. It doesn't. But when, when a foreign government locks the WHO, locks our scientists out of our country, kicks our journalists out of our country, and based on the only evidence we have, our top infectious disease physician is going out there in public in, in January and in February saying this really isn't going to have a big effect on our country. You, you realize that, that hindsight is twenty twenty. We saw this coming, but we didn't see it coming. We, we saw this as, as something that was going to affect the rest of the world. And then well, end of January, beginning of February, we looking at restrictions of travel from China to this country. And of course, by then, it was, it was just too late. Yeah. Um, I, well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, uh, Ralph, for having me on. Um, I think it's been an interesting conversation. Um, it has. Certainly, I, as you said, you know, this is a fluid situation. I'm sure we'll have something new and different to talk about next week. 
Um, if you want me back on, I'll be pleased to do that. I, I would just like to end with this. Absolutely. Um, um, I, I would just like to end with this because I know a lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't have, you know, family to um, to be with, or people don't, you know, don't have access to their friends like they'd want to. And I know that a lot of people are having a hard personal time with all of this. And I, I would just like to leave um, with a number, one eight hundred nine eight five five nine nine zero. If you're um, thinking that you need somebody to talk to, this is a crisis hotline, and I would encourage you to uh, give them a call. Um, I would also encourage everybody to. Um, I would also encourage everybody to um, take a look at the new county website. Um, you know, um, they have a lot of good information, and I would also encourage everybody to get a pen out um, and you know either call my office or go ahead and call my office and say that you would like a um, copy of my um, e-newsletter that we put out every week. In fact, as soon as I get off this uh, line in a couple of minutes, I'm going to proof that for the uh, for this week's edition. Um, but we have a lot of important uh, information. This is kind of, you know, mostly just on coronavirus. Um, but you can call my number 608-266-0455 um, and get on my e-newsletter list. I've got three or 4,000 people on it. And, um, and I think it provides a lot of good information. But thanks for having me on today. I'm Certainly. And, and, and I'll make sure that I put those numbers on our show link and that I put it on the uh, on, on the video rebroadcast of the show as well so people can see it. Todd, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, I look forward to getting uh, you know some, some updates from you on a regular basis as, as the information changes. So okay. thank you. Thank you again. And uh, stay safe. Good luck. And uh, we'll be touching base again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Ralph. Thank you, Todd. Bye-bye. Bye. That was the interview for 65th Assembly District. Todd Onstadt, who uh, lives in Kenosha, and uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that he gave me his time earlier this week to talk about uh, the agenda as he sees it. Now, I don't agree with everything that Todd says, but I will say this. I, I feel like we have somebody who is using their own conscience and making their own decisions about what they think is best for the people of southeastern Wisconsin. And that's one of the things you, you look for in, in, in a representative. Now, if you go back and play the interview, there, there may be some components of that that you agree with. There may be some components of it that you disagree with. I think that is a, a much healthier thing for us to start asking questions because – as I said earlier, and, and, and as I really stress with Todd, we don't know the science nearly enough at this point. We're, we're, we're too early in, and one of, the, one of the biggest problems that we're having is that when leaders make decisions, they, they tend to dig in on those decisions. They tend to let their ego get in the way of the fact that they could be wrong, or they're afraid of being viewed as wrong by the public or by the media. And so it makes it, it makes our lawmakers and makes our leaders much more rigid in their decisions than they should be in a time like this, where we have to admit that we don't know what we don't know yet and be willing to change our mind either way. So a lockdown, if that's the most precautionary thing that we can do in the very beginning, then by all means, let's lock down. I showed up. At my home, I, I 
bring my masks with me and practice social distancing when I have to go to the store for essentials. I, I work in an industry that is considered essential housing. I provide my, my clients with free masks and gloves, and I wear a mask and gloves when, when I'm taking my clients out looking at property. I'm doing all the things that, that we're being told is going to reduce the risk, as we should. What I'm not doing is blindly accepting what is being told to me. I'm, I'm not afraid to ask questions. And the problem that we have right now is, is, is the media, a lot of people on, on the hard left, and, and Todd is definitely not one of them, make it sound as if you are evil. They about people. That you don't care about your country, your state, you don't care about the old people, you don't care about other victims. If you question whether or not what we're doing is actually working. It's a valid question. There was a physician from California. I'm going to try and find the link in the, in the second hour and uh, provide it to you, who talks about all of the evidence that what we are doing is not helping and, as a matter of fact, maybe making the problem worse. Seeing more deaths overall from coronavirus as well as other medical problems. So we're going we're gonna to provide that link. I doubt we're going to have time for discussion because we have on the second hour Jim Selovich coming on and... Uh, as I, as I always promise our listeners, I, I like to give a, a solid hour when I can of the issues that matter to, to this community and, and in this case to, to the entire world. But it's also important that after we, we, we give it serious discussion that we unplug a little bit and that we in, enjoy our lives as well. So I'm, I'm excited to, to bring you Jim every week as he quarantines in place from home. And have him contribute with his sense of humor. And, of course, we always talk music. Uh, even though we don't have a live music guest tonight, we're going to have some some pretty exciting music for you. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, look forward to having more discussion after the uh, first hour and after our break. Thank you. This is real. News, sports, live and local. Get real. AM 1050. WLIP. You are listening to Get Real with Ralph. On the air, Get Real with Ralph, your host, Ralph Nudie, in the studio and remotely by Zoom, your co-host, Jim Selovich. Boom, Jim. How are you? Zoom. I'm Zooming. You're Zooming in and Zooming out. I'm Zooming, all right. Uh, More coffee. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Nice to see you. Fantastic. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm at day 37. This is what day 37 looks like. Looks pretty good, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Get people visiting. I've been getting that happening, which which is is bizarre. Is more bizarre than anything. Is uh, people coming to visit you, come to wave at you, which I think is very strange. That's kind of world we're living in right now. Where people just drive by and uh, and uh, wave to you and give give you cookies and, and notes and things as such. 
Yeah, they've got the the heart campaign going where everybody's putting their heart, the hearts in their windows. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. putting putting support for our critical first responders in the medical community as well as yep. law enforcement, fire, a so on and so forth. Absolutely. You know, got uh, chalk out, not chalk outlines, but, you know, just different types of uh, words and things of uh, praise and, and thanks to uh, anybody uh, delivering the mail. Um, and anyone out there, of course, you know, the UPS, uh, FedEx, uh, what have you, uh, people doing the delivering, uh, God bless them. Of course, obviously, all the uh, doctors and nurses uh, giving their lives, a lot of them. Uh, for all this fun stuff. So, uh, so uh, how, how you been there, Ralph? I know we, we actually talked in person the other day. That was interesting. We did. We did. We talked through your door. We were social distance as I uh, watched you and, uh, and, and Jeannie on the other side. And, uh, and, 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 and the cats. And the cats, yeah. Uh, was, uh... And, and the cats. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it, just logging my days and what's going on. It's, I think it's very interesting. Uh, how this world is uh, is re is responding? Uh, okay, yeah, you're on the air. Um, That's weird. So I turned, I turned the host yeah. mic off, and oh, I yeah, think well, it's I heard you. Oh, you must have heard me deal. through Zoom or something. I heard probably. I, I don't get any of this really. But anyways, uh, there's a lot of people are uh, online more than ever, and uh, it's just crazy. I, th I think you know everyone's been. Uh, eating crazy pills or something you know it's, it's amazing been, that the internet it, isn't it, broken it, yet it, it's it's amazing and it, it's you know i mentioned this last week is uh, let's be careful what we read what we believe you know what you know question things you know what i mean um you know and, and i think the biggest thing is what people are influenced by you know we we've we've talked in the past of this human nature that, that you know people always talking that uh, humans are followers we're gullible you know we're you know we need to believe in something or we need to follow something. Um, so I, I think it'd be very interesting is to um, make sure uh, what type of influences are out there. What makes a person an influencer? Absolutely. You know? And what does, I mean, make, what it, does make somebody an influencer? But what, what, yeah, well, you know, you have your mega influencers, uh, you know, they're, and they get uh, anywhere, what was I was looking at the other day, they have more than 1 million followers, at least on one social platform. And they get paid up to a million dollars per post. I mean, the, the, all the branding that's going on, all the marketing that's going on for all the influencers and all this money. But who are these people? You know, you know, you got the mega, you got the macro, and there's uh, other ones, uh, micro. But the ones that's very interesting, I found out, are the nano ones that people have a smallest number of followers, really, but uh, tend to be experts. You know what I mean? Sure. In the obscure, obscure and highly specialized fields that they're that they're. We're seeing, so I think it's very. We're, we're seeing that a lot with this, where you have have doctors in certain areas going mm -hmm. on and sharing their stories. There's there's one from New York yes. who I keep sharing his story, and he he, he keeps mm -hmm. insisting that the symptoms he's seeing isn't right. consistent with the diagnosis. Right. You got well. You, those are your, what your your key opinion leaders is what to call them, right? Sure. But, that's but, what they. That's what they're in industry leaders and and you know and. Thought leak, uh, leaders, and that's the thing. The, the 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 availability of information is at an all time high. Mm -hmm. The ability right. to get your information out there to people that don't necessarily like to read technical documents. So even ten, or, or even read, ten years or, ago, or read or, right or read at all. I right. mean, you know, they're, they're clickbait and they they see a headline and that's what their opinion is. I mean, we have all these we have all this information at everyone's fingertips. Doesn't mean that you're informed. 
just because you have it at your fingertips. You know, you got to read it. You got to do some studying. I keep you know telling people, if, you, if you're going to post something, listen to the whole thing first. Don't just share something mm -hmm. that you didn't even listen to all the way through. And I know people are doing that. Right. And, and more importantly, grab a, grab a scratch piece of paper and a pen or a pencil and write down some of the things mm -hmm. they're saying and, yep. and look those other, those other pieces of information up because it's very easy mm -hmm. to find that somebody has been completely debunked in their crazy conspiracy right. theory. I, 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 I think what's or going on right now, even mainstream media I, I, saying things and it's being debunked quickly. Right. But I, I think kind of what the, the more dangerous thing right now is, is what people are influenced by than what they really believe in. You know, uh, does that make some sort of sense? I mean, as far as people with uh, uh, knee jerk reactions to things that are going on, being uh, going more on an instinct and then actually sitting and thinking about it a little bit. Human beings are largely governed by fear. Oh, absolutely. And totally agree with that. It, it's concerning to me that our fears, the, the fact that people are easily manipulated by fear mm -hmm. is known by anybody who really understands people. And so right. anytime fear is used as a factor to, con, to, mm -hmm. to influence human behavior, and right. this is probably the greatest example in human history where there is a mass amount of human behavior, when that yep. happens... It is right. It is moral. It is our responsibility to ask questions. Right. And, and it's, it's just amazing on how much people panic. I mean, how people take, I mean, but that's just human nature though, right? It's my that, nature. It's, it's, your, it, it, it's, it's, it's anybody's nature. nature. Yeah. It, it, it's instincts. It, it, it's, you know, someone goes by, uh, uh, you know, I think, you know, they, they, they follow where they follow and they're not thinking to where they're going. I'll Basically. give you an example of being governed by fear personally, even at a younger age, because even young people are, are, are governed by fear. But, of course, in the news right now, Kim Jong-un is either uh, believed to either be in a persistent vegetative state or dead, depending on the source. Right, right. When I and... was in my 20s, I was stationed in South Korea. And at the time, Kim Il-sung, his grandfather, was the leader. And the conventional wisdom was that if he died— that his son, Kim Il-sung, who had a shorter reign because he, he died young, uh, was way more militant, way more unstable, and mm -hmm. that he would likely start a war the moment his father died. That's what we were briefed. Talk about striking fear into the heart of a 21-year-old. That if this guy yeah. dies, we're going to war. Yeah. It, well, is, is, is that, is that, is, was that true? He, no, he died when I was stationed there. And, right. and but, being, governed, but what do you, being governed by what? fear, I went and grabbed all, everything that I knew I was going to need if we were going to war mm -hmm. and woke, woke my roommate up who had a much higher security clearance right. at the right. time and knew right. much right. more was going on. And the guy looked sure. at me and said, Ralph, don't you think if we were going to war, I'd know about it before you? <laughs> and he was a little <laughs> concerned. And he's like, take it down about 10 notches. You're going to be all right, dude. Right. Just breathe. Right. And we, uh, we, we can't we can't panic. We have to we have to be. Uh, yeah, be patient. You know, reach reach for more. We do, we do, and so learning those life experiences at an earlier time makes my antenna go up when everybody starts making all their decisions mm -hmm. based on fear. Well, I think I think people have survival mode. Don't you think? Absolutely. We all have. We have our some, and people's survival modes are a little more, more different. Some people don't know what their survival uh, uh, mode is. And they're like using it for the first time. And maybe these are the ones that are freaking out all the time or, you know, or, or not thinking right away. These knee jerk reactions are different things and not really, you know, 
you know, being, being easily influenced. Um, that's just their survival mode. Push everyone else aside. Some people, yeah, think for ourselves, but of course, you know, let's, let's help out everyone else as, as we're doing this. Let's do this together. And when people but start making decisions, though, based on that fear, they end up making decisions that are harmful to themselves and others. Yeah. And that's, that's my, true. that's now what I, that's now my concern is let's not go into a period of self harm because everything we're doing is governed by fear and do irrevocable mm -hmm. harm to our society. To he, this doctor from LA that was on, it was mind numbing as he was talking about the spike in child molestations, no. the spike in people that were uh, in, in deaths due to heart conditions, because people having heart conditions are afraid to go to the hospital because they're afraid of getting COVID 19. The spike yeah. in, in, in domestic that's violence. If, that, that's if they even take them. Right. Yeah. So we, this is very real. It's not just about. We don't want a few people to go broke. And, and that's, that's the problem is when you start talking about it, you start getting told, hey, you're, you're just greedy and all you care about is money and the economy. No, the, the, the economy is, is life. Mm -hmm. what you, have, you have meat processing plants closing down. There was one that closed down, not that big of a deal. Now there are three major national meat processing plants that are closed down because of this virus. Now... Yeah. At a certain point in time, if enough of that happens, we're going to have a meat shortage mm -hmm. because of fear, not just because of the virus, because of fear. I agree. And so it's, I, I don't know all the answers. You don't know all the answers. We don't. No. Nobody no. knows we, all. The experts don't know all the answers. The important they, thing is that they, we're allowed to anything. ask questions. We have to be right. allowed to ask questions without being culturally ostracized. Yes. That's healthy. And, 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 and we have to watch what we believe. Yes. You know, it's, 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 it sounds so easy, but it's true. Just watch what you believe. I mean, just double check things. Consider every possibility, blindly every believe possibility. none question, of them. Question, question, question. Like you say, question. Question what's going on out there. And don't take the simple yes, no answers. You know what I mean? You know, say why. Ask why. Why is it this way? Why, why, why don't we have, you know, I, I don't have a, a, you know, a cure for it yet. And I but, always you know, believe, I always believe when dealing with the powerful, look at what the worst possible motive they could have is for making that decision, no matter what side they're on, and vet that motive and see if it makes sense. Hopefully it doesn't. Yeah. But you always, when dealing with people more powerful than you are, have to consider the worst possible motive, even if it's somebody you trust. That's the way I look at it. Which are, yeah, I hear you. And, Absolutely. And, and, and passing it through that lens, my, my interview uh, last hour with, with, mm -hmm. uh, with Todd. Todd's Hansel. awesome. I love Todd. Todd's a great you guy. Know, I may question some of the answers, but I don't really question his, his motives. I, he's, he's, he's one of the good ones. Which he's mean, one of the good ones. Which, which means regardless of what his answers are now, he can be persuaded if you give him evidence he's, of something he, different. He's, he's, he's definitely a public servant. Uh, he, he, he really does truly care about his constituents and what's best for for what the, um, for you know Wisconsin his district America basically he's one of the good guys and that's that's where we have that we have to get to and there's that place a lot of people. and there's a lot of them and there's a lot of them yeah um but I I don't know man you know we we, we can talk politics for another three hours there we could but um, you know what, let's talk some fun now because uh you, I, we promised that is fun, that fun isn't it you sent me some music here what did you what did you send me I think uh, I'm gonna play this one going into the first break and then you're gonna have to tell me what the theme is oh 
the theme's already here. Boy, you you did all my homework for me. I miss having you here, though. I do it from home. I can do it from home. All I need, just need is get control of the board. I can Whoa. just do it all from home. That was way louder than I expected it to be, though. Yeah. Oh. Having to use a, a, an electronic fader on YouTube at the same time as, as the real faders, that's uh, that's taking some talent that uh, I might I might show you a thing or two before it's all over with. Yeah, I don't think so, but yeah, that's nice for you to stay. <laughs> so, uh, Gary Wright's birthday today, huh? Gary Absolutely. Gary, Gary Wright, Dream Weaver, one of the best songs uh, out there. Takes me back to high school. Did he have um, any other major hits besides this one? Uh, Love is Alive. I believe it was in a band Spooky Tooth hmm. back in the 70s. Um, I'm showing, well, he's 77. So that tells you something right there. The Dreamweaver is 77 years old, huh? No, no, no. That's from like 1979. No, Dreamweaver. I'm, I'm calling him the Dreamweaver. Gary, Gary Wright. Gary Wright. Yes. Yeah. Gary Wright is 77 today. Happy birthday, Gary. Gary Wright and uh, the drummer from the Replacements. You, you know about the Replacements? Were you into that type of music? The Replacements were they kind of a uh, punky sort of band? Yeah, kind of pop, pop punk, hard edge of rock, kind of very punky. They, they um, out of Minneapolis, they uh, they really inspired a lot, a lot of, 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 of musicians, of rock stars, and things as such. Uh, they didn't quite get the uh, notoriety that they wanted. Um, or maybe even deserve because they're really good music. But um, I lost part of my hearing at one of their shows. That's how loud they are. <laughs> what? Did That's, you say something? That, I just laughed. You said you lost part of your hearing. <laughs> huh? What? <laughs> what? 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 Is that the doorbell? Um, oh, you got me, Jim. But anyways, uh, so yeah, it's his, uh, what did I say? He's uh, 59 today, 59. The Replacements. Yeah, I'm drinking coffee at nine o'clock at night. That's a good thing. That's how. Uh, uh, that's how you speaking, roll, man. Sp well, speaking of which, I want to talk about uh, you know different uh, body clock times and different times. I mean, my time's all messed up. I mean, you know, I, I could be up till five o'clock one morning and then uh, you know sleep till like one, and uh, you know next night I'm going to bed like this is real boring, isn't it? The first, um, yeah, the first three weeks of quarantine was like that for me, too. I finally had to say, my office is empty. There's nobody there but me, and I have to get up and go to it at 9, because otherwise I'm just going to there, sleep away there it is. There, the there entire it is. quarantine period. Oh, you know, you know, my story, my day job, I mean, I had five days of, of the quarantine actually working until it's like, hey, we don't need you anymore. Bye. Um, so now it's, you know, I'm, I'm filling my time doing different things uh, and uh, writing. Uh, so we're, we're, we're uh, got a lot of different ideas written down, a lot of different types of uh, projects uh, that I can pay attention to. Plus, uh, you know, just reading up on uh, future endeavors uh, in life. And, uh, you know, I think that's the thing, too. It's, I think uh, it's very important to prepare ourselves for what comes next uh, and look at it logically. Look, you know, to, like, what am I going to prioritize? Where are we? I think it's like, where are, what's our next step? What, what, okay, well, what's going to happen now? What can I do to prepare myself for it instead of, you know, crying in my Rice Krispies because I ain't got nothing right now? I think it's very important to keep a positive attitude at this point in time. Did I mention it's day 37 for me? 
Day 37. So. And now day, what is the day total since we started the Wisconsin shelter in place? Do you know? I don't have, I don't have the, the ticker. It's got to be well, like I, day 40 something. For number for, of days for that we're on, number of days since the Wisconsin lock, the official start of the Wisconsin safer at home order. Oh, that I don't know. I don't know offhand. I just know that I was working from home and, uh, and then it's just like one day it became next and it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll just run out, do different things. Went for a nice, uh, four mile walk today. That was nice. See, the weather's got to be, weather gets better. I heard Todd was talking to, uh, last hour, people out walking around his neighborhood. I think I've, I've seen more of my neighbors than I've ever seen in the three years I've lived here. Cause you know, just like a wave and hello. Yeah. I'm over here. That type of thing. So, which, which is interesting. I'm, uh, I think, I, 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 I think after all this is done too, I, I think people will be reaching out for more people as far as uh, figuring, you know, finding out what's really important to you, maybe, you know, your friendships, family, things as such. Um, and then agree, you have the same people ain't going to do crap. They're going to be the same way they've been uh, and not getting the big picture of it. You know, it's definitely it's it's day thirty it's day thirty four by the way since the safer at home oh, 40, I had 44. To, I just had to pull it up day thirty four yeah is it forty four yeah no three forty four thirty four Jeannie just started, told, uh, Wisconsin started on okay. March twenty third I just pulled it up so okay. we are a day thirty four of, of of the safer at home altogether and you know you're talking about I think, I think it's changed most importantly changes I you know I I think that woman and all those kids they seem like nice people. And, uh, you know, it turned out that, you know, it's my wife and my, my, my children and my dog that we got. <laughs> and, and now on day 34, you know, that could go either way. It could be, wow, these people I got to know are pretty awesome, or it could be they're terrible human beings. And in, in my case, I'm pretty lucky. I, I, I think the animals are the more, more freaked out ones, don't you think? It's like, what are you doing home? You're, you're never home during this time of the day. Well, for no, us, it's the opposite. Just, we start with lockdown, so when we oh, all yeah, go back yeah. to normal, that puppy is going to be like, what the hell hit me? <laughs> Where people, are my people? These people are smothering me. And it's and like, you know, so we go back gonna, to normal, it's like, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Uh, and German Shepherds are such mischievous little animals, too. They are not normal puppies, I can tell you. They look for trouble the entire they get, time they're away. They get sneaky. They get sneaky. Oh, here they go. They're going to get a little trouble I, here. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this little girl will will walk up to to my my coke and just knock it over on the table to take the ice cubes out of it. That's when you smack them on the snout. I mean that in the most beautiful and gentle way to let them know who's boss. Start. <laughs> got so, discipline. So we also have uh, we got a little Roy going, huh? Got what? Roy Orbison. Oh yeah, only the lonely. Only it's, the lonely. Know, that's so, the uh, uh, that's the theme. That's the theme. That's the theme. Well, that's, uh, that's the theme for for a quarantine gym. Got it. See where I'm going with that? I do. I'm glad you're playing along. I am playing glad, along. Glad you're. Uh, I'm just kind of going through some notes, uh, different things that. Uh, I've, oh, I got in touch with an old radio, college radio buddy, which was interesting, bringing up some old memories of our college radio days, which was very, very interesting when he brought up the, the time that we were down at Zion Benton High School doing a high school dance. And now this is 1981. Uh, and our, our amp blew. 
and uh, we'll just say we had a, a police escort back to our vehicle and off the, off the grounds. It wasn't it wasn't very. Uh, it could have turned out pretty bad. You fellas need think. to go back over that border to Wisconsin, huh? Something, something along those lines. Well, you know, we couldn't play any Michael Jackson at that point or anything that was new, like you know, Val Bivivo or something. Actually, later. I don't in know. 1981 in Waukegan. 1981, of course, not Val Bivivo, but Michael Jackson and, and whatever whatever tune was big on the R&B charts. Um, we couldn't play any R&B or anything like that. And the kids weren't too happy about that. That's a they got a lot of got we, a lot of mean mugging, mean mugging going we, we, on. We, we, we've come a long way. Now they're mad if you don't play music with the f bomb in it. We well, ain't gonna hear it from me. <laughs> you ain't gonna hear it from me. My DJ days are over. Are you a uh, are you a documentary guy uh, during the quarantine? I love love documentaries. So there's one right now on the Funk Brothers. Do you know who the Funk Brothers are? Uh, remind me, I think I did read something The Funk something Brothers about are that. basically the studio band for almost every Motown act you've ever heard of. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are Motown. And yeah, that's, I, I, didn't, that, that, I didn't know most that's, of these stories. That's, that's kind of like, like the Wrecking Crew yeah. out in L.A. And the guys down in Mus Muscle Shoals, you yeah. know, same way. Yeah, you, uh, you, yeah, you, come, in, you yeah. come in as a vocalist or with your three-piece band, yeah. and they it, fill in like all Beach, the rest. It's like Beach Boys. Uh, go on tour. We're just going to. You know, Brian's going to stick around behind and make fantastic music with actual musicians. So, and that was that was uh, back in the day with uh, the Wrecking Crew. But yeah, so the Funk Town, the Funk Boys, Funk Brothers. Is that the what it's Funk called? Brothers? So um, I, I it it's uh, I, I can't remember the name of the, the documentary, but it was. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm always looking for music documentaries because right, I, right. I love music. And I, I found that one last night and uh, ended up staying awake way longer than I originally hmm. anticipated. I, I watched I watched a documentary on the assassination of James Garfield, which was actually pretty interesting. What happened? I mean, we know he died, but besides that. Because what happened? Yep. You got to watch it. I can't explain it to you. So how about the conspiracy theorists that say every single president's been assassinated and messed with the federal bank? What do you think of that? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I, I don't go that far with conspiracies. Yeah, I, it's it's something, it seems to be a common theme. Anytime a president stands up for the central bank, they end up in trouble. It's, you know, I mean, with JFK. See, that's another thing, too. We've been so inundated with different conspiracies, different stories, different things. And, that, I'll, you know, and what, I'll give them a listen. There, there was one, the fall cabal. It was like an, it was hours long, so I had to, I had to skip mm -hmm. through it and, and and do all the reading. And they actually had me. They mm -hmm. had me sucked in until they had this crazy tinfoil hat Elvis sighting conspiracy theory idea that JFK Jr. is alive and in hiding in plain sight, and that someday he's going to come back and save the whole world. And I'm looking at myself, and I was like, holy. How much time for the, it, yeah. it's, it's like a joke with a really bad punchline and a long setup. So I, I guess the name of that name of that show, Standing in the Shadows of Motown, is that what it's called? That's the one, Standing in the Shadows yeah. of Motown. Thank you, Joel, uh, Joel Gradisnik from Wauwatosa for bringing that answer to us. I'm a good buddy, Joel, who did a drive-by today. Drove all the way down from Tosa to Kenosha. Just to, to do a drive-by to say Jimmy. hi to you, huh? Just had by, we talked for a little bit, talked about things, and... Uh, I was involved in, in a, uh, a drinking party last night that Joel had going on. Online? With some friends from, with some comedian, yeah, with Zoom, with Zoom drinking, and uh, with some uh, uh, 
old friends, uh, comedy friends from Milwaukee part of it, some new friends, uh, you know, musicians and things as such. There's about six, seven of us, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Now we've got a little a comedy fun. bit of our own that we're uh, we're working on under under top secret wraps. It's it's that's the main thing right there, Ralph. Top secret. Which means we're not going to top secret. With, with top secret, we're means, not going to discuss well, it's not the top details. secret anymore. Well, sure it is. Nobody knows what we're working on. But uh, See, now you now we're committed. Now it, we're committed. Well, I needed to commit you just to make sure. I guess <laughs> it's it's a done deal. You're going to make a very good. No, I'm I'm just going to stop right there. Um. So uh, yeah, different uh, different things going on. Um, I've been watching. What have I been watching? Oh, look at the mall cop. Look at the mall cop walking by. Hey, mall cop. He can't Is hear me. Paul Blart. Hey, Paul Blart. You know, we need speakers that blast out into the mall so when they walk by, we can we can taunt them on Sunday nights. What do you think? Uh, as soon as they reopen, I really want to, you know, if I had the morning show, I'd, I'd mess with the mall worker walkers. That'd be fun. I, I want to come by in the morning and moon Lenny. And moon who? Moon Lenny. When he's here in the morning, just come by and just press my ass cheeks right up against the glass. What do you oh, think? Oh, pressed ham. Press, pressing ham. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd Absolutely. have to be really quick to not get caught by mall security, but that would be that would be a lot of fun if we knocked on the window and had Lenny just turn over there. You say, hey, Lenny, I think I found some bubble gum on the bottom of my shoe. Yeah, that's where it is. <laughs> in the bottom of my shoe. I was just chewing it. I was just chewing it. Uh, I, I, I'm watching. What am I watching? I'm watching. Uh, I caught Ozark. I watched the rest of that. That was intense. That Ruthie is. Uh... Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. Great actress. Uh, and then I watched Bosch. You know, watch Bosch. You have. Uh, I couldn't get into it. I, I tried watching that about a year or so ago, and you gotta I, do it. I must have just right, right, been not in the right mood. Right now, right now, do it. Just take it from from the first season, first one. Write them out. I I mean I I'm almost uh, to the point because I've I, I, to, I've already broke, just, I already broke Netflix. I already watched all of it, and uh, I was telling my wife maybe we should go back to episode one of The Sopranos and rewatch that and realize how old all that looks now. Yeah. The technology, I'm going, everything. Um, I'm going. I'm going through the uh, Game of Thrones again right now. Um, I did. I did all eleven. All, <laughs> I I did all eleven seasons of Cheers. Um, You're a sick I started man. That in, I started. I started that in February. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, eleven. Uh, eleven. Uh, eleven. Eleven seasons, seasons of, cheers. of Cheers. Eleven seasons. You know, when you get to, you know, the ninth season, which I think they should have stopped at, um, and you started getting into like, oh, man, they're really going to suck, you know? But it's like, I have to watch it. I can't, I, I, I can't justify just sitting through nine seasons without, you know, without, without watching the rest of it. You can't do it. You know, once it got, once it got too far into Kirstie Alley being there and then she got... I don't know, fat and less interesting. Got the show just got really uninteresting. Oh, and then they... it, 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 it was it was played out. They did bring in different uh, showrunners uh, the last couple seasons. The, the um, whole Frasier bit, of course, which led to Frasier. Oh well, that I mean, it's just well, they had to have the intellectual person after they they left that part. Kelsey Grammer was supposed to be on that show for maybe. Four or five episodes, and ended up making his career. Season. He ended up making an well, entire well, show when, out of it. When, when, when Shelley Long says, "I'm going to take, a, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here," um, 
well, they had to have the intellectual. They got to have that intellectual uh, part of the show, and that's where Frazier really took off. Well, he was the guy she ran. He was the guy she. He was the guy she ran off that with, show right? For, he carried. He carried that show for a while. For he a did. Bit. He did. He, he. I mean, the character did. I mean, it was. It was he launched. They launched Woody Harrelson's career. Well, yeah, and Woody, as playing the dumbest person on the show, was actually the smartest one on the set. Yeah, that 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 man is very intelligent. He's um, definitely he, a he's, brilliant, and, gifted and play, actor. And and to play that role that way, the, his timing is amazing. Very good comedic his, timing. His, his, his ti- timing is and, and 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 you can't hate Ted Danson. I'm sorry, Ted Danson is one of those guys you're gonna love. He's he is he's just, he's, his he's character in Cheers. He's, he's charming. He, he's just got it. I'm going to tell you somebody else's character reminds me a little bit of his character is Michael Douglas's character in the Kaminsky, uh, the Kaminsky effect. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they both kind of got that same committed bachelor. Yeah, women want to hate them, but they can't help but like them type yeah, personality. Yeah, so fallible. They're fallible in the whole nine yards. Writer, drinker, alcohol, things as such. But the best part of that show is Alan Arkin. Yeah, Alan I, Arkin, I think. for yeah, sure. Alan Arkin is just, uh, I don't know, I don't care, you know, okay. It, may, that type. it, may, be, it may very well be Alan Arkin's best role that he's, he's played in his entire career, and he's, he's had a lot of good it's, ones. He's had a lot of very good roles, and, and he, he's, I think he'd be the first one to say how lucky he is to uh, have the life he's had. Um, going back to Second City back in the late 50s, you know, back when they started up. Uh, you know, going you know through this different type of humor, serious uh, things. I mean, this, Alan that, Arkin is a, a predecessor amazing. to Billy Crystal and, and Jerry Seinfeld, as far as I'm concerned. Using the whole, yeah. using his shtick, no uh, pun intended, to uh, yeah. really get everything going that way. Speaking oh, yeah. of which, yeah. Seinfeld. There's another one that I've went back and watched some of the old ones, mm-hmm. understanding now. The entire premise of it, the fact that Larry David, when 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 they cast Jason Alexander for the part of mm-hmm. um, of George Costanza, he was actually yeah. playing Larry David's personality and didn't know it yep. for several seasons until he finally well, figured out. He looked at Larry one day and says, "Wait a minute, I'm I'm playing you, aren't I?" Yeah. And if you go, you watch the documentary and then you go back and watch the show yeah, with that in mind, look, yeah. you really see the genius of Larry David. Throughout, which right, right. which Absolutely. I didn't know. So when Curb Your Own Enthusiasm came out, I hated the show and mm-hmm. I hated Larry David. I thought the guy is just a jerk. But going back now and understanding how they injected his humor into yeah. Seinfeld, but Jason Alexander played the part better. Uh, J- J- Jason be the first one to tell you too. The first uh, like season, uh, he's basically doing his Woody Allen impersonation. Yeah, you know, kind of kind of talking, kind of you know, going back and forth. You know, the nervous Jew. You know, the the. Uh, you know, neurotic. Yeah. You know, uh, he did very well. Um, yeah, think about it. Woody Allen and Woody Allen and Alan Arkin pioneered that entire persona that that paved the way for Jason Alexander and for Jerry. There's been a lot of them, for, but yeah, absolutely, they're they're, yeah. they're in the mix. They're definitely in the mix. But the timing um, of the timing of the comedy in that show, looking back now, you don't see shows really take hold with all of American culture the way what, what, a Cheers what, what did I like, or Seinfeld did or a Friends did. Right, right. What, what I like what, what Jerry Seinfeld did, I like, you know, they offered him $10 million to do uh, season 10, you know, uh, and he said no, because he didn't want to do 10 seasons. He goes, I want to do nine. And that's it. And he went out on top. He sure did. He did nine. There, there wasn't like, oh my God, you know, 
Yeah, there's a lot of talk. Yeah, about what are the we last in season? Episode. What are we season thirty four of season thirty four of Grey's Anatomy now or something like that? Yeah, it's I mean, I think season fifty two I mean, of The Walking think, Dead. You can flip it on well, any given moment and you get the thank same. Thank you. <sighs> I'm talking about Walking Dead right now. I was talking to my buddy Joel. I know he's still listening. We were talking about The Walking Dead. I'm gonna watch that show since season eight, I think. You know, and and I have a bunch of them on on, on DVR. I'm just not getting around to watch them because I really don't have a, an interest. Because it's not going anywhere. And, and and well, and these characters, they're not gonna kill off the old characters. They're not. You're not gonna lose. You know, uh, Daryl Dixon and and Carol. You know, and. You're not going to lose them. If a sitcom since, uh, you can do for a long time, but a show like that, you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's why Game of Thrones works. Even if you don't like the yeah. end, it has one. Right, right. To, I think the episode. I think the episode before the last episode, they should have just tacked on the, the, what they did at the end of the other episode, and just make it a two-hour thing. Um, because uh, the last episode of, of uh, Game of Thrones was kind of boring. It was kind of, huh? oh, well, okay. Yeah, it left you, it left you wanting yeah. more for sure. Yeah, well, it's just like, okay, well, that's, you know. No, I mean, that part too is like, well, that's all you're going to do? Really? I've been watching you for how many how many years, and that's that's how you're going to Wanting more. We're, we're going to leave our audience members wanting more, more right. so that when they come back right after this break with Ralph Nudie and Jim Selovich. When I was young, I never needed. just for fun Those days are gone Living alone And we're back on the air AM 1050 WLIP You're listening to Get Real with your host Ralph Nudie and Jim Selovich Yo! We got a little uh, Eric Carmen going on here and uh, he's talking about the way that a lot of people are making love these days all by myself. You know, it's funny that you, um, it's funny that you brought up Cheers and watching Cheers because there was the one episode where Diane comes in and starts singing all by myself as she's sobbing like an idiot. Do you remember that one? No. Oh, it's actually one of myself episode because she just butchers the song in in pure Diane fashion, as you can imagine she would have done. I would have to check that one out. I know she she killed our house. Uh, oh, our house for sure. A very very fine house. Um, if they were gonna do yeah. a Cheers reunion, you had to pick one: Shelley Long or Kirstie Alley. Which one do you want back? Uh wow. <clears throat> I'd ask right now here, right now, which one, Shelley? Shelly, right now says Shelly. I, I think she. I think she. I would have thought you would have said Kirsty for you know the junk in the trunk part, but. Damn you, sir! Mix a lot. Um, <laughs> Baby uh, got I, back. I, 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 I just love Shelly Long in that role. I, I think she she was the most loved hated type of character. She made the show. Uh, she she was it was, <laughs> she educated a lot of people. You know, being in our late teens or however old we were watching that show, what is that? that's a, that's that's an interesting way of saying you know that word, or you know, or what does that mean? Um, so again, going back to the intellectual part of the show, um, and I, I didn't like Kersey's Alley's character because it lacked character. I don't know, you know. 
Yeah. She had no sense of, you know, no sense of, you know, the right way to handle things. Well, she was just crying and screaming all the time. That's uh, that's just plain annoying. I really hate but, her. But, I, I hate her but, character. But, but I, I, I love her as an actress, though. I love yes, Crystal. yeah, absolutely. Love her in Three I, Men I, and I a Baby. She, I, you know, she played that annoying role, but she played an annoying role very good. Okay? It's not that I didn't think she did a great job in acting and, and her timing and things as such. I just didn't like the character. So, but Cliff Clavin, John Rasenberger, he, he made his own. That was his idea coming in as, as Cliff the mailman. That's really? what he told Burrow. Oh, that he's like, hey, uh, how about I play this character? And, you know, every bar has to have a know-it-all, someone who's going to do whatever. And and so uh, John Rasenberger actually uh, he and George went he George went and uh, who played Carla what was what was her name oh uh, Rhea Perlman Ray uh, the to me the dynamic between those three it oh, yeah. was its own story within a story you, you you see them really really gelling by season three yeah. I, I think I think they really like that relationship really, takes on a life of its own in that in, right. in the entire and, and, in the entire and comedy just, and just the way that she hates Cliff so bad is hilarious, you know. And that's just a setup and boom, you know. You know he's teeing it up, just tee it up, boom, you know. So he's gonna say something, and you know here comes Carla's little jab coming right in there. There was that formula that went on there. And watching it now reminds you of a different time in history too, because Vera's always calling the bar to find out if uh, Norm's there. And, right. Uh, right. you know, I actually remember living in that time frame where if my mom wanted to find my father, she knew the places that he'd go to if he happened to not be home and if she needed to talk to him. Hey, you would call a bar and be like, hey, uh, can you see if Jim Selovich is there? And, and the bartender would yell, Jim, Jim Selovich. And, yeah, it's me. And you grab the phone and answer it. And who, oh, yeah, I remember that. who would I, even I, imagine? Now, 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 I grew up on the north side, Grant School area. Okay, picture it, 35th Street, beautiful street. Yeah, love, love the neighborhood. And, and Okay, now, right before you get to, uh, we call, you just call Pepsi Hill uh, by the railroad tracks. It used to be, uh, the, which is still called the Beer Gardens, but was Louis and Ida's Beer Gardens. Yeah. And my, and my dad would walk down there. It's about a four-block four walk to go pick up some pizza. Because I'm gonna go there. Well, he's he's hanging out, um, and then so my mom would say, "Yeah, Jim, go go get your dad." So it's not like pick up the phone. No, I had walked down there. Walked down to, to the beer garden. Yep. Right, right. And like an hour, like half hour later or an hour later, here comes my sister coming in the bar because she's coming to get me and my dad out of there. You know. But so, that was that was the culture in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the was. 1970s. It really was. I'm telling you what. You you, you now we're gonna talk about. Uh, manufacturing in this town. Uh, the, I used to play morning league softball when I worked third shift at the radio station. But all these guys that worked third shift at Mac White, you know, Cherry Electric, you know, police department, sheriff's departments, uh, you know, not to mention American Motors, Mac, you know, all the these brass. different types. The brass. You had these third shift softball tournaments. When I used to be third, when I used to work overnights at the radio station, I would have third third shift parties. At seven o'clock, so eight, seven a.m. Eight, eight o'clock in the morning. When yeah, I was when I was when I was a cop in the Air Force, we called that choir practice. You got off at seven o'clock in the morning, and yeah, you go to the park. You'd have a cookout. You would drink, uh, right. because it's the only way you'd be able to get yourself to sleep to rotate back onto a normal well, sleep schedule. Well, that's just it. And second shift, you saw, is be called what? You know, alcoholic hours. I mean, you know, it's like you, you know, get off work at eleven o'clock. You'll sit in a bar till two thirty, and got to wake up till one. o'clock, you know. 
you get right back up there and do it again. Just talking to facts, people. You yeah. want to bring up old Kenosha. They used to have go-go go go dancers in bars down 60th Street. Yeah, Bruce Belushka had one of those. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. now I feel a little bit like uh, like Lou. It's a church I, I, now. I can give names and everything. Oh, well, it, it, it's, he was my uh, uh, baseball coach, by the way. Uh, who, who was? I played Pony, Pony League. Good old Bruce. Oh, my goodness. That guy but, there. Uh, he reminded me yeah. of Rodney. De he was a Kenosha icon when he had his places, but he he used to pal around with my grandfather. He reminded me of Rodney Dangerfield when I was a little yeah, kid. Yeah. That's who I always thought well, he we'll, was. Uh, well, well, we'll have to we'll have to share stories about him at another time. But uh, the Kenosha was back. Stuff I mean, that's, that's not airworthy, huh? Well, uh, it's it, you know it's it's uh, you know we don't want to talk about families, you know, because um, I I was uh, close with his son, sure. you know, so I know I know. Family, you know, good, good family, good very people. good, very, very good people. Um, but that was just the way the time was. That was it. That was that's back when Robert Kennedy said that Kenosha is a breeding ground for the, the mob. You know, that was back when Kenosha got that nickname of Sin City. I thought he was talking about Chicago when he said that. You know, Chicago, well, you know, it's uh, but Kenosha's right there. You know, how many how many bodies were dropped in Des Plaines River? Oops, I should, I should be talking about what. Hmm? Well, there's the Anthony the Anthony Beernut case, which is still talked about to this day. Uh, the guy yeah, that was well, found what in a house in Bong Air Base. Uh, that that was right in the middle of 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 the old mob having you know st struggling for power here. So yeah, that, that that was a real that was a real thing in in a real different yeah. time. And and my coming of age, which was shortly after yours, was as that was winding down. Yeah, and I, I tell. Yeah. I tell people there's a big difference. The biggest difference between myself and my own siblings is I actually remember the 70s, where they, only one of my sisters was even born in the 70s. I actually remember uh, the gotcha. 70s. Yeah. And if you remember the 70s in Kenosha, you, you knew a different place because from 1980 to 1990, this, this town transformed completely. Oh, yeah. That, big time. I would say that that 10, year, that 10 year span is probably the, the biggest 10 years of change where you wouldn't recognize it from after till before. You could take any other, if you looked at Kenosha in the 1950s and looked at it in the early 70s, I'll bet you wouldn't see as as dramatic of a change. Although, still, any 10-year period is a pretty reasonable. Oh, you hey, got your Cheers glass there. I got my Cheers glass. My roommate just handed it to me. She was like, you know, she, she's been there. So I've never been, never been to uh, the little hole in the wall. Well, we're going to have to... Uh, you know, we're going to have to do like a get real tour and uh, maybe do a bus trip with some people from uh, Kenosha, some listeners, and uh, put that together once we're not required to social distance and we actually want to share air in the same bus cabin with people. Yeah, yeah. Get real with Ralph tour of Manaqua. <laughs> we actually had one we were working on before all this happened to go to Chicago and go to one of Tony Montuano's restaurants, who's actually from Kenosha. And we're going to do it in right. conjunction with 262 Eats as, as, as a fundraiser for Songs of Freedom. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to organize something like that this year yet. Yeah. Hey, I, I, went for, I went for a drive the other day. That was nice. Get in the car and drive around. It's like you almost forget how to drive. Not using, not using that. Yeah. It's like, all right, okay, I'm going around the corner now. Whoa, this is kind of weird, huh? Oh, my God, you know. Of course, the brakes, you know, squeak right away. It's always weird when you drive a car for the first time after an extended period at, at any age. I remember coming back from uh, coming back from boot camp and all that, and you go get behind the wheel of a car the first time, and you just have this whoa, Nelly feeling going on, like you've completely forgot how to drive. Or, how to do things. 
Hey, hey, I want, I want, I did want to talk about something. Uh, have, have you seen John uh, Krasinski's uh, thing he's doing called Some Good News? No, I have not. SGN. It is um, everyone out there listening. Google it. SGN. John, it's everything's about something that's good. What's going on? You know, taking different things. I mean, there's no sports, so he's having uh, a Jack uh, Jack Buck doing play by play. up a emptying a, a dishwasher in milwaukee stuff like that you know uh somebody talking about doing this have you seen the one about uh, uh, a, a, a soccer announcer or something doing something english announcer about two dogs that have a bone one oh my goodness doing that, doing that bone we, and oh, and she and she's taking it away you know the other dog takes it away or things such. i think they should test every member of major league baseball make sure you have them play games against each other and start broadcasting it all right I people think, uh, need their she, people think, need some of america's way, past high i think that's where that, that should be in the business world too yep. you're gonna send you're gonna send people out send them out but, the but, but baseball you can do right now just yeah, but, you know what because major league baseball how, can how, afford it how are they going to make money at it, though? The same way they always make money, with television. Well, are we going to have to pay to watch the games? No, that's what sponsors are for. NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. You know, the old-fashioned way. Right, you have right. commercials. You know, the funny thing is, you know, the sport of boxing, I think, we, you, can, you can directly pin the decline of the sport of boxing to the time they stopped broadcasting on broadcast television and started charging people for the experience. And I guarantee you, if you look at it, the amount of money boxing overall has made has, has declined as a sport. Now, individual fighters might make more money because of the pay-per-view event. But if you look at the sport as a whole, I guarantee you the sport was making more money when it was on network television. Has to be, otherwise they would make the Super Bowl pay per view event. I, I, I think they would. I think they would lose a ton of money if they did that. But being a sporting person, I'm not really missing sports all that much. I mean, you know, it's just you know, I, I love rooting for my teams, you know. But I'm just not like, oh, okay, well, there's no baseball. Okay, all right, well, you know, we, I'm not happy about the Bucks losing the rest of their season. I, I mean, may, you know, maybe they do something where they just have have the football players put on the sensors and all that, like the fake Rocky Marciano Ali fight, and they can go in simulators and uh, have them. <laughs> yeah, like those uh, those movies about the games. That could that could be. I I don't. I'm just not missing it. I mean, I just uh, you know. I, I, I think people aren't missing a lot of things that they had passion for uh, passion for before, possibly. They're finding out what's really important to them. Does that make any type of sense? Absolutely. I'm thinking you about know, taking I, up fishing again. I haven't been you know, a, I haven't like carried like, a fishing you know, pole in years. See, see, the thing is people are re, are you know having time to rediscover passions. Yep. Oh, you know, or just find, you know, going back to find out what's important to them again. Hopefully, some of you are but, rediscovering but, your passions with your spouses too while you're at it. This is water; it's not bleach. In case anybody's wondering, I'm not. Well, I was starting to—I was really starting to worry about you because uh, you know that, that's that's a real that's a real problem. Is people are, are uh, you know, we have to worry about people. Uh, I don't know what drinking Lysol now is that the. I you know it, it's it, it doesn't matter if it's in in context out of context. To me, it was but it was said, and that's the only thing I have to say about that. It was said. And that's all I got to say. On, about on, that. On, 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 as in, it was on national TV in the middle of a pandemic. And it was said. 
And that's all I okay. got to say I mean, about I, that. I know he was, it was sarcastic or what? Would you have it? it all was, I got to uh, say, it was, it was said. You know what we need more of instead of that, Jim? He needs to speak less. We need more love in this world. That's what we need. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's, is, is it that time? It's that time already. Hard to believe, folks. But we are at Cheers. the end of a fun journey. Cheers to you, Jim. And next time, it better be something a little heavier than water. Folks, right, that after drinking last night, man. I'm telling you what. Only you do so much. I'm an old man. All right. Hey, I'll talk to you next week. And uh, you will. Be you day. will. Tune in next week it'll for be, more. More Jim Selvich. Hopefully, hopefully, it won't be day 44. Hopefully, it won't be. Wow. 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 There he is, ladies and gentlemen. The man with the plan, normally in the studio here, Jim Selovich, weighing in for the last hours. We talked about the things that entertain us. I want to thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the uh, interview with Todd Onstad. If you missed it, go to GetRealWithRalph.com or Facebook.com forward slash Ralph Nudie to find this entire show, as well as the best of our previous musical guests, best monologues, best interviews. And... Uh, while you're quarantining in place, whether you agree with quarantining in place or not, or you agree with your neighbors or not, please make sure that you spread the love around to those that agree with you as well as those that disagree with you. Because uh, regardless, we are all in this together. And the one thing we can all agree on is we need a little more love. In I'm Ralph Nudie, signing off. Until next week. Good night.